This is RSA Radio, and I'm Rachel O'Brien. Hardly a day goes by without headlines reminding us of the huge challenges facing the UK's prison service. The system depends on having the right staffing and the right resources in place, but it also depends on prisoners being able to develop and sustain positive relationships. In this series, we explore some of the connections that have helped people to rebuild their lives. I've got three children, daughter Izzy, who's 23, Esme, who's 19, and I've got a son, Harris, who's 13. When you're in that type of real desperate situation and someone comes and supports you, you're, like, very grateful for it. In my life, there's very few people there for me when I've needed them, and I'm very, very bad at asking for support anyway. These showed me that when I needed them, they were there. Paul was released from prison a couple of years ago and is now working. We talked to him and his two daughters, Izzy and Esme, about their relationship and the impact that Paul's time inside has had on them. I'm Paul, I'm 49. I've got three children. Back when I was a teenager, I was dyslexic, I didn't go to school, underachieved, didn't really have any ambition, and very quickly was drawn to criminal behaviour, really. It was more to sort of, like, get some type of recognition or acknowledgement. I've been in prison three times, two times when I was younger and one time recently. When I was younger, I got a 12-month prison sentence for conspiracy to robbery. I'd had numerous minor offences for carrying offensive weapons. I got 12 months, that was my first time in prison as a young offender, and it was quite a harsh environment because everything really is dealt with with extreme forms of violence in young offenders, hence why sometimes lots of young offenders kill themselves. When I got out of prison, my old associates had all moved from smoking cannabis and taking amphetamine to actually taking heroin and I was very quickly sucked into that world and it wasn't long before I was sort of like desperate for money and I went and did something what people would really recognise me for. In hindsight it was mostly a cry for help. I have a quite awkward relationship with my mother who had attachment problems with me and she focuses a lot on my older brother who was a very high achiever and I could never ever keep up with it. I ended up doing things negative to get attention. When I was 21, myself, my younger brother and my cousin robbed a security van. Myself and my younger brother got seven years and my cousin got five years because it was his first offence. In my last six months at prison, I did a sitting gills in catering and I worked at a care home just outside of a small town in North Yorkshire and this is where I met the girl's mum. When I got out, I was given a position with that employer and I was able to buy a house and then Izzy was born and then four years later Esme was born and worked every day that I could, seven days a week and things were pretty good. But then there was a breakdown in my relationship, things went wrong, we split up. I actually went to university at this stage. I'd been teaching football at the girls' school and... The teacher there tried to encourage me to go, which horrified me because I thought I didn't go to school. I went and I passed my degree, got a job working in health and social care, working with drug users, working with offenders. When we split, things went terribly wrong and 
I wasn't able to see the girls for quite some time. I went through a very messy court case with the girl's mother. I was ended up being in Fathers for Justice and I fought for a long, long time to get back into life and it did put a real lot of strain. Uh, I would say they became estranged from me. And when I did, I was having to see them in a contact centre, which was an horrendous place. Because I'd started working in health and social care and I understood the policies and the procedures, I highlighted some bad practice, they had to close the centre down. I was then told that I couldn't come back for two years. So in theory, that meant I couldn't see my daughters for two years, which stuck. I didn't see them for a full two years period. And then it was mostly some four or five months after that that I got to see them for the first time. And at this point, Kafka sort of like had a bit of a change, a turnaround where they went, hold it a minute, this has gone on for eight years now and we seemed to be getting no further. The girl's mum asked the manager of CAFCAS to do a full audit of our case, which tied their staff down for two weeks, and I don't think she was in, impressed with that. And then all of a sudden, she took the case on herself. And at the same time, I'd been working incredibly hard to get a mortgage on a house down the next street, and I sort of like forced the issue of contact by moving down the next street to them. And at the same time, the manager of the CAFCAS, she was running the case actually brought us back together, but it was really, really difficult time. We primarily lived with our mum, so we heard her side of the story. Now, I'm not saying either one of them was right or wrong, because now I'm older, I can look at that and, and see that, but I think seeing it a lot from one side impacted us as children, because we all of a sudden thought, kind of, big bad dad and that's an awful thing to say and when you grow up you see it's not that black and white but as a child it's confusing when you're seeing your parent maybe once every couple of months or in passing and, and when you do see them your parents can't even look at each other or talk to each other so it does become quite difficult. At this point especially the relationship with the girls is quite tenuous it was like hit and miss we'd see each other wouldn't. It was a bit awkward when we did <coughs> A bit like, oh, how are you doing? It was all a bit awkward. And what I found within my daughters is that if you're in need, that's how the relationship develops because sometimes it must be me who gives off the impression that I'm not vulnerable, but I am. But because I don't give that impression, it tends to sort of like, they go, oh, it's only dad, he'll be all right. But then when I was sent to prison, they came straight away and they were there all of the time. And it actually brought us together. Esme, do you remember your dad going to the prison that time? Yeah, I remember, I think it was Izzy's birthday, was it your 21st? Yes. We hadn't heard from my dad for about two weeks because his parents had moved to Crete. We thought, oh, maybe he's just nipped off for a holiday to Crete. So on Izzy's birthday, we got some mail through, and I, me being me, probably about 16 or 17-ish, I was just like, oh, it's some money. No, H&P, prison services. I didn't click onto that. Izzy straight away obviously saw that, and she just took that away, and she read the letter. Getting the letter was almost a relief because the last conversation I'd had with my dad, I knew that he wasn't very happy about something and I was a little bit worried about what had happened to him or what he had done because even though we haven't had the most solid of relationships, whenever I've rang him, he's, he's got back to me. You know, he would have never just left me in the lurch. So I think to a certain extent for the, for the two weeks I hadn't heard from him, I was ringing his family that I don't, I don't speak to any of my dad's family just because of that distance. I was kind of ringing around trying to find out 
if anyone knew anything. I spoke to his older brother that said he didn't know where he was, which actually came to light that he did, but he just didn't tell me. So I was panicked. So on my 21st birthday, I saw the HMP Hull. It was almost a relief because I was like, he's okay. You know, nothing life or death has happened to him. And then I just remember bursting into tears as soon as I read the first line. And I think it said something like, hi, girls, you've probably got by the front of this envelope what's happened and I just was absolutely in pieces absolutely devastated I just didn't really know how to cope with that and I suppose it was just the awfulness of not being able to pick up the phone and ask him if he's all right and then I don't know how to get a visiting order how to go and see somebody I was 21 years old with a younger sister so yeah it was quite traumatic actually (laughs) so you hear this In your head, what's a prison at that age? You always hear about prisons and you do think, oh, it's this really bad place that you get locked away and you're not heard of for however long. But when we did hear from Dad, it not didn't sound as bad because obviously prison is still prison you don't have your freedom but it did put our mind at rest to hear he was out in the yard doing gym exercises and and everything but you do like when you hear the word prison you do think a long time away from your own freedom and your family you imagine it's just a big cage because it's so americanized now on tv programs so that's what you just think it's like so when we finally got to see him and we found out it wasn't like that it was almost like it's not quite as scary as maybe we thought it was gonna be even though it's obviously not that nice i want to ask paul what it felt like to write that letter terrible because the frustration thing is is when you go into the british prison system today you don't get anything for two weeks. They'll give you a pound's phone credit, but you've got to know the numbers and they'll take your numbers off you. It's almost like a real desperate thing because you want to let people know, but the only way I could let the girls know is by writing them a letter. I couldn't ring them because I didn't know the numbers and I only had a pound credit. It's like it's impossible and there's nobody or no way you can go and say, can you get me the contact details for this person? It's desperate time because that's all you want to do. The prison didn't notify us. We were worried about our parent. That was so wrong. We were panicking and worrying for two weeks. It doesn't sound like a long time, but when you don't know where someone is and the last conversation you've had with them suggests that they could be about to do something bad, you're so, so, so worried. And there should be at least some kind of notification whereby a person can go into prison and say, this is who I need to let you know, even if they just send out some kind of formal card that says this is the situation. It was so worrying. I went on the very first visit on my own. I'm very protective of Esme, my younger sister, because we didn't know what to expect at this point. I was worried that it might scare us slightly, it might be a bit traumatic. One of my friends actually took me and dropped me off as a bit of like comfort. The second time when I actually took Esme with me because I kind of figured you'd be okay with it. It was just bizarre, like it, it was really a strange situation being sat across the table from someone and kind of being able to give them a quick hug when really you're just like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. It's a really chaotic time and it's hard to process. But at the same time, you're a little bit interested. You do like to look around and kind of observe what type of people are in there. You obviously take prisoners like all really, really bad people, but you look around and they're all just everyday people that you would just see on the street, you know, obviously not in their prison uniform, but if they were just wearing normal clothes, you wouldn't thought, oh, they've been in prison. One thing that I really didn't like, 
I have no criminal convictions. I've never been arrested. I've never been in trouble with the police. You go in there, and I understand it's for all the right reasons, but you are made to feel like you have done as much of a crime as the person you're going to see. And I think that that is wrong because... It's not my fault I'm in this situation. As awful as it sounds, I haven't chosen to be here. And I think how you're made to feel is upsetting a little bit because you do come away feeling sad about the situation, really. Did other people judge you? Not many of my friends knew. I think there was only a couple that knew. It wasn't something that they would judge me for because it's not me, like, as an individual. They're just kind of like, oh, what happened? But the same as Izzy was saying, we shouldn't be punished for what my dad's done. I understand there is punishment needed, but I do also think the way it is, is obviously there is that punishment because the individual who's done the crime should have thought about all this before they did it. No offence, Dad. It's all right. None taken. That was the hardest thing. You've done something wrong and you're going to pay the price for it. That I understand. And it's down to yourself, obviously. I've had to process this. I've put the girls in a situation that I know that they're going to feel like that because I understand how people get in and out of prisons and I mean Esme started crying which for me it was hard and I had to put a brave face on because I didn't want her to think and the easiest way to do that is go oh look he's in for murder he's in for that he's in for that and and, and it took it distracted didn't it because it was yeah. it was incredibly difficult you don't want to put your daughters in that situation. I've got a son as well who's 13 who I didn't want him to see me in that situation. One of the things I'm guessing is that you kind of got to know your dad better when he was in prison than when he was on the out. So why? We were all he had. So him writing us a letter and kind of calling out to us, he didn't have anyone else to really speak to. So in a way, we did have to go. Obviously, we wanted to see him and make sure he was OK, but we did have to go in a way to support him because it wouldn't be nice him just being in there and not having anybody. And he would write to us every week and kind of let us know how he was doing and things like that, and we'd go what, once every two weeks, every month? Obviously, we lived about 70 miles away from where he was in prison, so it wasn't just down the road for us. When someone needs you, regardless of your relationship with them, for me, you have to be there. And when it's your dad, I know that no matter what time it was, whenever it was, whatever he was doing, if I rang him and he needed me, he would be there for me, ultimately. So regardless of the relationship we had prior to that, I always knew that. You know, maybe if sometimes it was just forgotten... It, when someone's in need, I would do it for anyone, but especially for a parent who loves you unconditionally, and as you do with them, I suppose. Did you feel angry with your dad? We were, like, angry because we were annoyed that we hadn't heard from him, we didn't know what he was doing. And obviously that's no fault of his own that he couldn't tell us where he was, but we were angry that he'd kind of got himself in the situation. I kind of went from upset to incredibly angry about the situation because things at home just with kind of growing up stuff with my mum between me and her our relationship was really 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 bad at the time if any time in my life I needed my dad for all of a sudden him not to be there I all of a sudden got very angry about that because for me it was like this isn't fair I'm the child I need you and yet you're the one that needs me as selfish as that sounds, it was kind of, as much as it was your time in need, it was probably ours as well. It was just really difficult not being able to pick up the phone and speak to your dad and just have that normal relationship, especially when things weren't so good with 
your other parent. It just made it a very difficult situation. When the girls came and saw me when I'd been in maybe six months, they came up and they said that Esme didn't have a prom dress. And I said, oh, well, I'll give you the money for it. And then it came out, something that just blew my mind, that the mum had been alcoholic for eight years and that Izzy was sort of, like, helping bringing Esme up. And it was like, I, I went away from that visit just thinking, I can't believe what's just been said to me. And, and then going, and I'm stuck in here. I can't do anything about it. Our relationship before this was, hi, how's it doing, pleasantries, because we'd become estranged and it was really awkward. It was never overly personal, like, it was never to the point where you got to know each other. I was never uncomfortable, but you were never, like, comfortable enough, like, how you would be with a parent that you would see a lot of the time, how you'd tell them, like, most things. It, just, it was just like a, how are you? We were very much trapped in the middle of this horrible, horrible breakup that never seemed to actually get ended we were just literally trapped in the middle of it and like I say there were certain things that I couldn't tell my dad because I didn't want to disrespect my mum's privacy but just like there were certain things I couldn't tell my mum and it was very much like that because they really really didn't get along at all so we didn't want to betray either of them and then of course at this specific visit I suppose it all just boiled up a bit too much and it did just become anger and it was a bit like why aren't you here for us we need you and it all came kind of spilling out. First and foremost, you want to support and be there. And you go, I'm in here, I can't actually do that. Luckily, I had some finances, which I was able to sort of, like, pass to the girls. It was a sticky plaster on a very horrible wound. And that's all I could do, really. You go back to your cell and you sit there and you have to process that. The hardest thing about prison is your attachment to people outside. Yeah, if you don't have anybody outside, prison can become incredibly easy because you don't have any of those emotional pulls. But you go back from a visit like that and you're torn to pieces and you just go, what can I do about it? I can't do anything. You're going back into such an harsh environment that you definitely can't show that you're upset or you've got any problems. You can't go and talk to anybody about what's just happened to you. You have to just sit there and internalise it and process it yourself. And yet, as a father, it's the worst thing to have to do. Do you think your dad's changed? I do. He is here for us more, and whenever you do message him and you want to meet up with him, he is there, and he is there for you more, obviously, because he knows more of the situation, and we are free to see him whenever we want. Like I say, we had that tenuous relationship before. The prison brought us together. We did have a few moments when I got out of prison where I would text or ring the girls, and they just wouldn't get back to me, and we had a bit of a fallout over this. And we had to sit and agree, didn't we, some terms and conditions to our relationships, which was, if I text you and I ring you and you don't ring me back, then I don't get myself all upset. Mm. And, it, and since then, it's been, it, we've been able to build and develop and grow our relationship because of those experiences that we've just been through. And the, the girls have been through their own situation with trying to separate away parents so you can move forward without having two big anchors that have been dragged around behind you. And since then, our relationship's got stronger. When you're down or you just think, what's it all about? You think it's about my daughters, it's about my son. And they're the things that inspire you to keep going and try and make the change because you don't want to put them through that again. It was very difficult. I mean, at this age, I was in the same job as I'm in now. You would get certain times to ring. Well, that wasn't necessarily convenient for me to pick up the phone then. And 
even though we weren't children, we were still at an age where we needed contact with our dad and there would be days that I would miss the call and I would be absolutely gutted because that was the time in that week or two weeks between seeing him that I actually might get to speak to him for five minutes and it did make it very difficult and even though we weren't children and we didn't immediately need help, there is a certain extent of like emotional help that you need from your parents and support that you need from your parents and unfortunately that's just not possible and like I said earlier it almost feels like not only was my dad being punished but we were almost being punished to a certain extent because when we needed our dad he wasn't there and there was no possible way of communicating with him. The irony of it is the mum who I don't get on she went online to support these she found that email a prisoner thing it was like an online system where you can email rather than write and it gets to like the person a lot quicker so that was really helpful to do but like I say it's it's just a difficult one because I agree with the prison system you have to be punished but at the same time the people on the outside that are left without that person that they need it's just you do feel just very alone and saddened by the entire situation How's the nature of your relationship now? I don't think it's too dissimilar to the relationships my friends have with their parents now. Obviously, it is slightly different in terms of topics we have to talk about because <laughs> you've got some great stories to tell. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's definitely getting better. Um, and I think the more we can talk about things, like my dad mentioned a few months ago, we had a bit of a tiff because I hadn't got back to him. Well, I was so used to kind of not having that father figure there that it was like oh he's called me I'll, I'll call him back and, and I'd forget and that's wrong of me but it was just because I was so used to not having him there and that sounds awful but it's right and I think now we've put that to bed and kind of said I am a grown-up and I, I'm busy with work and things but we do make more time to see each other and we try and do nice things and we're open about things. Yeah, yeah I got wrapped up in my own sort of like self really about when they didn't contact me back and even to a point where I thought, do I have to go to prison to have a relationship with you? <laughs> when you're in that type of real desperate situation and someone comes and supports you, you're like very grateful for it. In my life, there's very, very, very few people there for me when I've needed them and I'm very, very bad at asking for support anyway. But these showed me that when I needed them, that they were there. We do see each other a lot, but I think you do know even when you don't see them as much that I can ring you whenever and say, oh, do you want to meet up tonight? And you will say yes. It won't ever be a, a, like a hesitated yes. It will just be, a, oh, yeah, as long as you're not obviously working or whatever, you will make time for us, which is really good. And I've never said that you haven't made time for us, but it's really nice that you can rely on you to obviously speak to you whenever you want. And I do know that if I had a, a massive problem, you would help me straight away. But at the end of the day, what he's done is what he's done, and that is the past. <laughs>